Hi, this is Pastor Daryl Beggs. You're listening to Sunday Morning Sermons from Central Baptist Church in Hillsboro, Texas. Thanks for joining us, and God bless you. All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Thank you for the good music this morning. I love that last song. Wasn't that beautiful? Today we're going to talk about the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord. How many of you remember skywriting? Y'all remember skywriting? How many of you don't know what I'm talking about when I say skywriting? Okay, skywriting was... What they did uh, years ago, they had airplanes that would go up in the sky and they would leave this trail of smoke and they would spell things in the sky. It was really, really cool. I don't know why they don't do it anymore. I wish they would. It was entertaining, wasn't it? But it didn't last very long. So, it, it, But anyway, I want to tell you a story today about skywriting. Now, Jerry Clower, some of you remember Jerry Clower. He was a Christian comedian and he told a story. Now, you have to understand that Jerry grew up back in the 30s. And uh, back in those days, of course, a lot of people lived out in the country, and the homes were very modest. They were frame homes. They usually had a porch out front. A lot of them didn't have running water or bathroom or anything like that. They had, you know, just had a path, that sort of thing. So anyway, he told the story of his friend. His friend's name was Kirk, Kirk Garner. Now, Kirk was a very religious man. He was always in church and, you know, tried to do his best to serve the Lord and serve his community. And so... One morning, he went out on his front porch, and he saw this writing up in the sky. And he ran back in the house, and he said to his wife, It's judgment. It's judgment. God has written it in the sky. And she said, Kirk, I don't think it's judgment. I didn't hear any, hear any trumpets blowing or anything like that. And, but he was upset that she didn't believe him. So he ran out the door, and he tripped over the faucet that he had driven into the ground in his front yard to make people think he had running water. And then he, uh, he, you know, actually he carried water a mile and a half to his house, but he had a faucet out there just to make people think so. He had an antenna on top of his house to make people think he had a radio, you know, but, but he didn't have any of those things. But anyway, he took off down the road because he just knew it was judgment. He was running as fast as he can and and then there was a man, a neighbor down the road who saw him running. He knew something was wrong. So he, he ran out in the road and intercepted him and just gave him a bear hug. And he said, Kirk, what's the matter with you? And he said, it's judgment. God wrote it in the sky. And he said, Kirk, that ain't judgment. It's Pepsi-Cola. So he kind of settled down. They sent him back home. The next morning, he made it down to the Clower's house. And they were standing out in the backyard. And Jerry Clower said, his dad asked him, said, now, Kirk, what would you have done if it really was judgment? What were you going to do? And he said, I guess I was just going to run until it overtook me. Well, today's message is about judgment, is about the day of the Lord. You know, last week we talked about uh, the comfort and the encouragement for Christians in the coming of the Lord, that we're not going to go ahead of those who've already died. They're going to be raised from their graves, and then we're going to be caught up with them to meet the Lord in the air. But today's message is similar, but it's different because it's a message of, of judgment. It's, it's, it's about the day of the Lord. When you read about the day of the Lord in the Scripture, every time you read about it, it is a time when God brings His wrath upon people for disobedience. Disobedience and sin has to be punished. We know that because God is a perfect and just God. And so all disobedience and all sin is ultimately punished. And if people don't repent, and they don't give their lives to Christ, then God has no, no option except for to rain judgment upon them. When we know that the day is coming when the church will be caught up in the air, and then the time of great tribulation will come, and God will pour out His wrath on people and on nations all over the world. And so today's lesson is, is not so much about all of that and all the logistics of that as it is about a warning 
for us as Christians to be ready and a warning against for unbelievers that they need to stop and think about where they are. So the day of the Lord. And I want to just uh, share with you three things about the day of the Lord today. First of all, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says the day of the Lord will come suddenly. It will come suddenly. Look at verse 1 with me. Now, as to the times and the epochs, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you. Why is that? Because Jesus had already told them that it really wasn't any of their business, but they need to just be on about the business of the Lord. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. While they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. So the question was to them, how long is it going to be and when exactly is it going to happen? But Jesus had already answered that. You remember when he ascended in the heaven and, the, and you know, you really can't blame the disciples for standing out there and looking up into heaven. As a matter of fact, you know, how many times do you see someone just float up into the clouds? And so obviously that was something that they, they were just kind of, I'm sure they were there with open mouths wondering what in the world happened. And the angel came, the angel said, you men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This same Jesus will come again just in, the, just in the way that he ascended, that he's going to come again. What was the angel saying to them? He was saying, get back to Jerusalem. Wait in Jerusalem until you receive the power, just like Jesus told you. Don't stand there gawking. Get on about the business of the Lord. And so he is saying to them, hey, that's not our business. We don't do that. Uh, this past week, LeBron James, the basketball player, uh, surpassed 30,000 points in his career. He was the youngest player to ever uh, reach 30,000 points. Then they were playing down in San Antonio, and the coach for the Spurs is uh, Greg Popovich. And if you've ever seen Greg Popovich uh, deal with the media, you know he's not always kind. So one of the, <laughs> he went up and he hugged LeBron and he said some words to him. One of the reporters asked him afterward, what he said to LeBron James. And all these reporters together around, it was kind of noisy and everything. And he said, what did you say to Le LeBron? And Popovich looked the guy right in the face and said, none of your business. And I watched the interview. I watched the replay on it on the Internet. And he said that. And, and all the reporters got deathly quiet. <laughs> I've never seen a bunch of reporters deathly quiet. But he just shut them all up. And that is really what, what Paul is saying here and what Jesus was saying, that's not your business. You need to take care of what I've told you to do. It's, it's not rocket science. You have to move on because a day is coming like a thief in the night, like a woman who is beginning labor pains. Once it starts, there's no going back. It's not about how long and when. It's about being ready. And um, there's no escape. There's no turning back. And he says, they'll be saying peace and safety. Isn't that kind of what our world is saying nowadays? We don't really need God anymore. We've, we've outgrown Him. Uh, we have our own set of rules. As a matter of fact, our rule is no rules. You just, you know, do whatever feels good and whatever's right. Everything's fine. Uh, no standards, no rules. If you, if you raise up standards and rules and, and you expect us to walk in holiness, then you're being judgmental. And we don't want that. We don't want anything. We, we just want the grace of God. We don't want accountability to God. And that's kind of what the world is saying. Everything is peace and safety. It's all secure. Don't worry about it. There's no, there is no security outside of the grace of God. Let me say that again. 
there is no security in this life or in the one to come outside of the grace of God. Say, I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. If without grace, we are we're bound for destruction. It's, he says here, destruction will come upon them suddenly like a thief in the night or like birth pangs. It's going to be a sudden thing. And while the world is saying peace and safety, that's when it's going to happen. When people have gotten to the point where they're just calloused and their hearts are hard, then it's going to happen. Uh, God doesn't, you know, people say, well, God's been promising that a long time. But you remember what Peter said? He said, God's not slow concerning His promises, some count slowness, but He is patient toward you, not willing for any to perish, but He wants all to come to salvation, all to come to repentance. The only reason we're here for another day is because God is waiting on other people to come into the kingdom before the last day comes. But it's not unusual for people to ignore warnings, is it? How many of you have ever ignored a warning sign? Or how many of you have ever touched the paint when it said wet paint? There's just something within us that just is rebellious. We, we just got to check. Uh, but think about it. Think about Noah. Poor Noah. I mean, God told him to build that ark. He's out there building that ark for a hundred years and warning people, and they ignored him. How many people were saved out of all of the people in the world at that time? Eight people. Eight people. Because they just wouldn't listen. They would not heed or hear the call. And then think about Lot. You know, Lot is in Sodom, and he's, he goes to warn his sons-in-law. You know what the Bible says? Lot knows that God is going to bring destruction upon that city because of their sin. And he goes to warn his sons-in-law. And you know what the Bible says? It says, they think he is speaking in jest. In other words, they think it's all just a big joke. Isn't that kind of the attitude that our world and the elitist society has about the Bible and Almighty God and the promises and the judgment to come, that it's all just a big joke? What happened to those who were left behind? They were destroyed. And even Jesus said that, he said, destroy this temple and I'll rebuild it in three days. But he also talked about the destruction of Jerusalem. And after Jesus died and rose again, Jerusalem was destroyed and the temple was destroyed. And the people who had heeded the warning knew what was coming and the other ones just ignored him. So it's not unusual for people to ignore the warning signs. You know, every time there's a flood, we hear about people who drive up where the water's crossing the road and they see the sign that says, do not cross if water is over the road, but they just can't stand it. And they wind up stranded out there and some of them wind up dead. There's something within us as human beings that just wants to ignore warnings. But this is one warning that you should never ignore. And it's the warning that if we don't have Christ, if we don't have the grace of God, if we're not prepared in our hearts for that day, then destruction will come. And there's no going back. When the baby starts coming, it's too late. Suddenly, like birth pangs, like a thief in the night, the day of the Lord will come suddenly. Secondly, the day of the Lord will be no surprise to Christians. Have you noticed that's what he says here? Look at verse 4. Isn't this interesting? He says, But you, brethren and sisters, are not in darkness that the day would overtake you like a thief. Now, Paul doesn't say you shouldn't be or you won't be. He just says, you're not. 
That's not how we live. You're not in darkness that the day would overtake you like a thief, for you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but, it, but let us be alert and sober. For those who sleep do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. As Christians, it's not supposed to be a surprise to us when Jesus comes, when the day of the Lord comes. We're supposed to rejoice. We're supposed to be walking with Him right now so that when the time comes, it won't overtake us. It won't run us over. It won't overwhelm us um, because we're not in the dark. Why are we not in the dark? Because the light of the world, Jesus Christ, has given us His own light. He has illumined our path for us. Thy word is what? A lamp to my feet and what? A light to my path. He has given us light so that we don't have to stumble around in the darkness of this world. You know, a lot of, a lot of the things that the world calls happiness and fulfillment, we know is just going to burn up at the end of time. But for us, we live for things that are eternal. And that's what he's talking about here. We're not stumbling around. We're not going to be overtaken like a thief in the night. We're not going to stand gazing into the sky with our mouth open. We're going to be about God's business. We are sons of light and sons of day. The Bible says that Jesus came in the world and he was the life. And, and his life was the light of men. And the light shined in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it, cannot extinguish it. It cannot overpower it. So we are not of night. What does he mean by that? He means that we're not in spiritual darkness. We're walking in the light day by day by day. We're not walking in darkness. We're walking in light. Uh, there's a great contrast here between us who walk in the light and those who are lost who walk in darkness. Now, a lot of people who are lost don't know they're walking in darkness. They don't know any better. They've never been taught any better. That's why God has left you and me here. You ever stop to think about that? Why we're still here? Why Jesus hasn't come? I mean, everything's going to be better in heaven. Would you agree? I mean, it's going to be perfect up there. Nothing's going to wear out. No debts, no bills to pay. No, <laughs> won't need any doctor. Sorry, doc. You won't need a preacher either. We'll all be out of business. But the good news is, you know, that's, a, that's where we want to be. And we know where Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. And so why does he leave us here? He leaves us here to be on mission for him. To help people who are in the darkness walk out of that and walk into the light. And help them understand and see where they are. Of course, there's a lot of reasons. We, you know, we want to enjoy our family and our time. But we've got to keep our eyes on the prize about how we go about that. And so we're not of night and not of darkness. And it's a great contrast. I read one commentary that said, There's a difference between being, quote, ready for heaven and ready for the day of judgment. Let's talk about that for just a minute. Anybody who has sincerely turned from their sin and trusted Jesus as their Savior is ready for heaven because they're covered in the blood of Christ. And so when judgment comes, they'll be covered. But it's a whole different story to say, I've been walking in the light day by day. I've been walking with expectancy. I have kept one eye on heaven and my feet firmly planted on the ground, and I am walking day by day by day so that the, when the day comes, I'll be ready. 
I won't be overtaken by it. Now, I don't know where you are in your spiritual life, but I know this. Uh, some of us, well, all of us have a tendency to wander off. Uh, you may even wander off during the sermon sometimes, as, as hard as that is to believe. But we have a tendency to wander off. And, you know, it's like, I like, I like what Natalie was telling to the kids. You know, what are you going to be doing when Jesus comes back? Are you going to be pitching a fit before your parents? Hey, parents, new parenting strategy. If they start anything, Jesus is coming. Straighten up, fly right. But it, even, even for us, of course, we need to be ready. So there's a difference just in being, quote, ready for heaven. As a matter of fact, it's hard to say we're ready for heaven if we don't have love and devotion to the one who bought us, right? And so since we are of the day, we don't sleep, the sleep of spiritual apathy or indifference. I wrote this down, never get so caught up in worldly things that your relationship with and responsibility before God gets to be a lazy one. Be sober, he says. Be alert. Be cool under pressure. He talks about two groups here, the drunk and asleep and the awake and alert. Now, which one do you want to be in? <laughs> Some of you say, well, it depends on the day, but, but we, need, we need to be alert. How many of you have ever been around someone who's drunk? I mean, well, you know, don't raise your hand. It's okay. I, I understand, especially if it was you. I don't but my brother, he's a long way off. He can't hear me. But uh, he had some, some wild friends when he was in school. And I remember one day I was at home. Uh, I guess I was at home after school. It must have been a Friday. And they'd gotten an early start on the weekend or something. Or maybe it was Saturday. But anyway, he... Uh, he brought this guy home with him, and I kid you not, they opened the front door. The guy fell through the door, threw up in the entryway. Thank God my parents weren't there. I'm just, what I'm, what I'm trying to give you a picture of here, you may have seen this, or you may have been there yourself and repented, I hope. But from what I could tell from that young man that day, he was not only indifferent to God, he was indifferent to everything. He, he couldn't be alert to anything. He had wiped himself out. And Paul is saying that's a picture of our world. They have numbed themselves to the idea that destruction is coming. That there is a price to pay if we're not ready. And so you, you see the picture here of what he's talking about. Um, so he says, be awake, be alert, wake up, clean up, dress up. In verse 8, he says, um, look there, since we are of the day, not if, but since we are of the day, let us be sober, what? That means to be alert, having put on the breastplate of faith and love. Put on the breastplate of faith and love. Protect your heart by being faithful to God and loving other people. And then to put on this helmet of the hope of salvation. The Scripture says that we are to destroy speculations and everything that's raised up against the knowledge of God and to take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. That, you know, we have decisions to make every day. We're tempted and we go through that. So we have to train our minds to take those thoughts captives. And in Colossians, Paul tells us to keep our minds on what? Things above. 
And so that is a training exercise that we go through day by day, but it's a helmet of salvation that we put on. And so once we receive him, it can never be about us again, really, can it? Do you agree with that? Once we receive Jesus and he gives to us this light and illumines our lives and lives within us, life can never be about us again. It has to be about him. It has to be about things that are eternal. So we wake up, we clean up, we dress up because we know the day is coming and we're not going to be surprised by it. Many of you remember the story of Rip Van Winkle. Rip Van Winkle was a short story by Washington Irving. It was published in 1819. Now, I try to make this as short as possible, but Rip Van Winkle was kind of a lazy guy. And his wife, well, I don't know any better way to put it, but she was just a nag. She got tired of him being so lazy. Don't let that be you. But anyway, she, got, she, she would fuss at him, and he would, you know, he had a dog. The dog was his best friend. And uh, so one day he went out hunting, and he got up into the Catskill Mountains, and he ran into these people out there playing nine pins, which I guess it was some kind of a bowling game at the time. And uh, he drank some of their elixir, whatever that was. And he went to sleep. You remember how long he went to sleep? 20 years. 20 years he went to sleep. He came back and his wife was dead. His wife was dead. That didn't seem to bother him. But um, he, got, he got back to town. 20 years had gone by. Everything had changed. He fell asleep. He'd grown this long beard and he thought it was just a day. He, he came back and he pledged his Lord, loyalty to King George III. What he didn't know was that George Washington was now the president of the country. He missed the whole Revolutionary War. He had missed everything. And he just wasn't prepared for that day. Let's not be like Rip Van Winkle, sleepwalking through our days. That's what Paul says. We don't sleep. We're not like people who spend our days sleeping and in spiritual laziness. We live in readiness for the day. So it's going to come suddenly and then we're not going to be asleep because we're going to walk with Jesus. And then the third thing he says here is that it's going to show that God is so mighty to save. Look at verse 9. For God has not destined us. Who is us? Well, that's those of us who trusted in Christ. For wrath. What is wrath? That means the punishment of God. The, the pouring forth of the judgment of God on this world. But for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another, build up one another, just as you also are doing. Aren't you glad that wrath is not our destiny? Someday, the scripture tells us very clearly that when the day of the Lord comes, there will be a time of such tribulation and pain that the world will not be able to stand it. And that God is going to bring that judgment and that wrath upon the world. But he's going to take us out before that happens. And so we go through this journey of ups and downs. But it leads to ultimate victory is what the scripture says. We want to be in heaven with him. He's the only transportation. Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father but by me. Notice that it says he died for us. Now, the cross is about two things. It's about 
It's about what we did to Him. We crucified Him with our sins. But more importantly, it's about what He did for us. He died in our place. So that when the day comes, we'll be safe. I always heard that the safest place to be after a, in a fire is, on, is where it's already burned. The fire has already burned at the cross. And so if we're with Him, we're safe when the judgment comes. So we're going to meet our loved ones. We're going to escape judgment. But in the meantime, we need to be faithful to the Lord and to His church and do our best to win the lost. There's a lady by the name of Edith Rushdoy, and she wrote this song, and I thought about it when I was thinking about how to, how to help us kind of remember this today. And you may remember the words of this song. Sometimes the day seems long, our trials hard to bear. We're tempted to complain, to murmur in despair. But Christ will soon appear to catch His bride away. All tears forever over in God's eternal day. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of His dear face, all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What is He saying to us when He talks about the day of the Lord? He's saying simply, run the race. Because it's going to come sudden, but it's not going to be a surprise if we're in the race and we're going to see the mighty salvation of our God. Amen? Let's stand together.